The subject of the talk this evening is on meditation. And in this talk this evening, I wish to speak to you about meditation and the various types of meditations and the purpose of meditation. <clears throat> this is the first evening of this 10-day uh, retreat together and it seems to me worthwhile to speak about meditation and try to show to you in this talk this evening the very vast expanse of meditation. One, as with many other concepts too of course, one has heard this concept quite often and frequently and one may well have asked oneself, well, what is this meditation? What's meditation all about? And generally the word, the concept of meditation has certain connotations with Eastern thought, Eastern philosophy and tradition. And certainly we are probably very much aware how in recent years there has been a tremendous growth of let us call it consciousness wisdom schools. It may be, may be Zen, it may be Tantra, it may be Mahayana, it may be Taoist, it may be Yoga, it may be Vipassana, maybe Theravada, Mahayana, and so forth. And many other schools also from the Middle East, including Sufis and, uh, and Christian mystical schools. And there's been a tremendous growth of interest and also to some extent consciousness with regard to this ancient wisdom. And the very central word in this whole uh, field of wisdom, shall we say, is the word meditation. A person, upon hearing this word meditation, may just think of it in a ordinary everyday sense. Somebody asks you about something and you say to them, well, I'll, I'll think about it, I'll, I'll meditate on it. Meaning that one uses this ability of the mind to reflect on something or someone or some issue. And then there is meditation in which there is a, a specific object for the meditation um, and a specific end in mind. One form of meditation which is used in the religious schools in which there are, perhaps is some sacred or ancient tech, text which is in use and available, the person will take a passage, perhaps just a few lines from the text, memorize them, repeat them over and over again inside the mind to try to understand the deeper implications of that passage, the deeper import of it. And so it becomes an, an object for one's meditation. The words perhaps of the guru or the master or the great saint or sage of uh, yesteryear. A person wondering or asking about 
meditation may rather too easily and too quickly um, dismiss or rather put uh, into one small cubicle meditation and rather seeing it in terms of well any meditation you do it's more or less or much the same as any other meditation it's just there's just a slight difference and all meditations take you in the same direction towards the same desired end but it's certainly quite untrue and certainly a person who becomes increasingly more exposed to meditation begins to see just how wide and, div and diverse a field it is a very wide, very diverse field just as one may speak in terms of let us say food for example and you have a, a wide variety of foods and some foods give you this necessary vitamin, vitamin A, B, C and so forth a certain pros, uh, proteins, calcium and etc etc in a rather similar sort of way particular meditations are for particular purposes for particular ends <coughs> and just what I would like to give you is just uh, some illustrations about the uh, diversity of meditation <coughs> one can work say or speak about the more preliminary forms of meditation generally that is in terms of mantra practice many people number of people here too have been exposed to the uh, use of a mantra and a mantra is a concept quite often uh, a concept which has been used again and again a very uh, tried and well experienced concept by many people which the person repeats over and over again this obviously has a certain a certain effect on the mind it makes an impact upon your mind so one takes hold of the the concept one repeats it and with that one is able to cut through this surface noisy chattering restless agitated sort of mind which people rather get bogged down or caught up with and takes one to greater level of calmness, stillness, tranquility and so forth and this is perhaps uh, the great value of a, a mantra meditation then there are mantra meditations again which are used to draw out of oneself the feeling element to draw out of one's heart as it were the element of love, the element of devotion again it may be in terms of the deity which one has in mind or it may be in terms of the, the teacher, the teacher, the guru who one is devoted to one says the name of that uh, the Lord, the name of the uh, particular deity that one is following and this draws out these feelings of devotion, of love, of tenderness and so forth one would say perhaps of those meditations of the, that uh, 
particularly the devotional mantra meditation, it's a meditation which is suitable for a particular type of person, suitable for the, a particular character type. Then there are meditations, again, in, and also in terms of mantra, when used by in tantric teachings, there's a progressive stage of mantra meditations. And then there are meditations in which one is aiming to develop a particular quality or bring out something latent inside the mind. And so one might use particular points or chakras as they are called inside which are inside oneself inside the inside the body and it helps to draw out particular aspects of oneself it may be again in terms of sensitivity loving kindness it may be in terms of channeling of energy it may be in terms of um, touching or going into some of these blocked or locked up regions of the mind but again, there are specific meditations with specific ends in mind. <coughs> and you know, one would say of meditation, without any exaggeration, without blowing up the significance of it, that in fact it can give you anything you want. It may well seem a rather big statement to make. But the fact is that meditation will give you what you want. What is necessary, of course, on one's own side in, with regard to that is that one applies the right meditation to achieve the right desired end. When people don't use meditation in the right way, it may mean that they, if they are practicing meditation, that they are using a meditation, but the end that they want won't come to them by the type of meditation practice which they are using. When one actually speaks of uh, meditation giving the individual what they want, it means at any level. There are even, and in also there's one Buddhist school at the present I have uh, read and have met one or two of the devotees of this particular uh, school or sect which has been set up, their master, their teacher, openly encourages his uh, students <coughs> to repeat a certain mantra from one of the uh, old Buddhist texts. And if you, what you want, if you want something in the material world, he says you keep repeating it, you concentrate your mind on what you want and it will come to you. And he has the, the witness, he has the testimony of hundreds of people who confirm it. And of course by their confirmation of it, it, they in turn go out and they encourage other people. And so a very big movement builds up. Using, though it's, one might say it's a little a little questionable, but still using meditation for particular desired materialistic ends. And similarly we know uh, in terms of transcendental 
meditation methods and all these charts and uh, the research which has taken place they have by these charts and scientific recordings and so forth which they use as, uh, as evidence show again and again by the use of their particular meditation a person becomes more calm more tranquil a person's uh, blood pressure goes down there's less workload on the heart on the nervous system the person is more uh, efficient in their job has better relationship with other people etc 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 brought about by the simple and regular application of meditation for a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes in the evening and then of course there are me me other meditations more specialized types of meditation such as working um, through to see to develop particular psychic powers to develop powers which are generally in an ordinary conceptual mind are certainly not accessible meditation can bring one to those to have powers powers to see deeply and far into the past powers to create alternative body powers which one can um, read the minds of others powers which one can move one into other altered states of consciousness or into other realms and states and so forth genuine generally an area which is simply not accessible to ordinary people and they have no way of gaining access because the mind lives usually in the world of likes and dislikes feelings and thoughts and ideas and is generally very much enmeshed in the ordinary conceptual perceptual world which one knows and associates with so meditation in that respect some forms and particular methods give oneself access to other areas of existence which are not in this world of which we just see and just hear and just think <coughs> about and so all of this in fact still really is just like touching the tip of an iceberg one just mentions a few points a few aspects about the field of meditation but in fact one is just just touching it so in all of this where would one say that the meditations and which we are doing and which we will be engaging over these days where do these meditations fall the primary emphasis on these meditations is one in which one comes to know about in about existence and about the actualities of existence in terms of no in terms of knowing existence it means that one as a person has to be aware of it has to be in very much in touch with it 
if a person becomes more aware of it of existence, it means not only just in terms of the external, and we are perhaps all too aware of the external, in terms of the tensions that go on in the world, in terms of the hate and the bitterness, in terms of the despair, in terms of the competitiveness and the jealousy and the ambition and the friction. One can be also very much aware of that. And one too can be very much and very genuinely inside of one's heart, very concerned about what is going on in this world, what is happening in the society and all the, the misery that's, that's, that can be found in it. But that awareness is not only of the external, because it's obviously only half the picture of life. The other half of the picture of life, and for most people the primary importance, is the internal. The internal. The external will always be as it is with all the ups and downs and the confusions and the, this contention and friction, as long as the internal is in a state of disorder, as long as the internal is in unrest. And you know, you see again and again, you see in yourselves, you see in the situ situation of people, that the individual inside is burning up. Inside is tight, inside is tense. But the mind has an inability often to accept the responsibility for its own condition. It projects it elsewhere. Everything outside is at fault, it's not the inside. They. And they always comes into sort of particular categories. They, it might be parents, my upbringing, the way my mother is, the way my father <coughs> is, my relationship with my brothers, my sisters. Or it might be they in terms of the educators, what they have done to my mind, how they have conditioned me. Or it might be in terms of the politicians, it might be in terms of the sociologists, it might be in terms of the ecologists or whatever it might be. And so the mind itself tends very easily and very, very quickly to project. Meditation is not to be blind to the what is going on around one. It's not to say that all the responsibility or how one is is because all because of oneself. That would be going to much too much to an extreme view. But it's to make that shift in emphasis where the relationship between the external and the internal come into focus. Instead of seeing everything as being so much out there as, as to the way things are, or as being completely... Uh, um, critical towards oneself and generating anger and negativities and hatred towards oneself and condemning oneself 
one be just begins to see, tries to see a little bit more, the whole relationship of this external world around and the internal activity. How you relate, how you exist or coexist with the world at large. If a person has a level, a degree of maturity of mind, the degree of maturity of mind is one in which one sees that the mind itself needs to be looked at. You see, if a person comes and the person, and the person says, well, there's nothing wrong with me, that I, my life is beautiful, my life is perfectly harmonious, perfectly at peace, I don't have any troubles, there are no hassles in my life, I've got my trip together nicely. The person, person may come or, or think that way. And, when, and sometimes a, when a person is thinking like that and, and speaking like that, sometimes you get a feeling this person is covering something up. Sometimes you get a feeling, intuitional feeling inside yourself, that when a person is promoting themselves very much in that direction, something behind is not being looked at. If a person genuinely is at peace, genuinely is still within, genuinely has understanding and has come to full maturity, then such things as meditation is their natural way of life. They live in meditation. The contrast between coming into meditation and going out of meditation for them has gone. They are the meditator. They live as in terms of meditation, in terms of genuine, real awareness of existence. So, these, medita <coughs> these meditations which we are engaged in and which we are developing is in order to see very, very clearly the state of the internal, which is the mind. It doesn't matter if you are male, female, young, old, rich, poor, quote, successful, quote, unsuccessful, all of that too, and the whole attitude and state of mind is to be seen and understood. The mind itself is, through various factors, influencing factors, so easily becomes rather dull, rather lethargic, or so easily is a mind which keeps reacting, a little problem, a little issue, a little difficulty in life, instead of being able to look at it with objectivity, it becomes a crisis, it becomes a brainstorm, and so forth. <coughs> These meditations are in terms of understanding the mind. Really, one would say, that meditation and the very direct application of it into one's life 
is something which is really only becoming really available really in the last few years. Meditation and and a regular consistent use of it has really been something which has belonged to a tiny minority. Even say one might speak of the East where the spirit of it is and the contemplative way of life is has been engaged in for thousands of years. Still, even then, and even there, it has always been just a few. Just a few. The majority of the majority of people have tended to opt for what is what can be and what often is a more easier form of spiritual way of life in which there there is a relationship established between the deity, the Lord, God, and oneself. In the higher levels of spiritual way of life, it has always been emphasized again and again to see and understand and know for yourself. This is a very important area of meditation. It's very, very easy to believe in eternal life. It's very, very easy to, for the mind to say, yes, yes, this I believe. I believe in eternal life. I have, I have come from a particular religious background. I accept it. Or it's very easy, of course, to go from to the other side I don't accept it. This I don't believe. I come from a pragmatic, rationalistic background. I don't accept this. We are born once, we die once, it's all finished. You see, to my mind, either case is an extreme sort of viewpoint. It's just a personal opinion, either way, which is being banded around. The whole thing of meditation is to see what is true for oneself. Not, you know, as it's so easily, one way or the other we are swayed. And, and meditation in that respect is to see into oneself, to see if it's possible to live in eternity, here and now. To discover what that really means, to live in eternity here and now. To sense, to know, to find out, one has to begin very simply. To begin in a very, very, very simple, simple way. To begin in a, in a very simple way is to become more and more conscious at, at this present time of the body and body consciousness. See, with the, the mind and the way that the mind has got itself in, embroiled and entangled, you know, it just, with a person, it's just like ropes or chains which tie a person down. One is entangled in thought. One is entangled in ideas. One gets entangled in speculations. 
and one just gets is actually literally tied down to them. In order for a person to grow, in order for their consciousness to begin to open, to begin to expand and flower, it means that one has to be cutting through that which ties one down. It's got nothing to do with the, the material world, in terms of, nearly every case anyway, in terms of what you do, in terms of the type of lifestyle that you lead, providing it's basically ethical. What ties one's da oneself down is the bondage of being, of grasping or identifying or holding on to things. Mental, material. In order for consciousness to grow, these things have to be removed. These things have to be just rather seen through or cast aside. You know, if you plant, if you have a seed in the ground and you put that seed into the ground and you drop a brick on that seed, the best water can be there, the best soil can be there, but it can't grow. It can't open. The constant, regular application of attention, moment to moment, is that which removes the blocks, removes the stones, removes the weights, and allows the seed to come through and grow. The growth the expansion, the opening of consciousness. What, is, what happens with, in terms of the mind and the body, the mind itself has certain developed attitudes, certain ways of doing things, certain ideas, and it tends to get rather fixed inside of oneself. Fixed inside the body, fixed inside the mind. And if one is prepared to rather step out of that to some extent and actually expose <coughs> oneself to here and now, if one is prepared to be more conscious of here and now, you find the very power of the here and now begins to bring order, bring, bring deeper harmony, a deeper sense of oneness between the internal and the external. We're just using methods, we're just using techniques here over these days together, but the use of them is primarily to bring one's consciousness <coughs> more and more into the here and now. In that bringing the consciousness more and more into the here and now, Instead of there being so much discord and confusion between oneself and the world around, one can discover that natural oneness and peace which exists. In order to do that, we firstly come back to ourselves, we come back to just applying these simple, simple exercises to help us get ourselves more centered.
for example, in terms of the breath, in terms of the giving of the attention to the in-breath and the out-breath, this really helps to get the whole energy flowing more fluidly and more easily. You may notice, or you may not have noticed, when the mind begins to move, when the mind begins to go in one direction or the other, it has its effect on the breath, it has its effect on the body. For example, here, we're staying here in the forest, and in the evening perhaps it's, you're walking through the forest and it's dark. And hopefully you've got a torch or you've got some sort of candlelight. And as you're walking through, you, you hear a sound. And here in the forest there are plenty of possums. There's the odd wild pig running around. And you hear, suddenly you hear a sound. What happens to the body? What happens to the mind? What happens to the breath? You freeze. Natural, human... No, you freeze. The breath stops. <gasps> you wonder what it was. And inside the mind, all this noise begins to start to take place. Stories of spiders <laughs> and stories of snakes and stories and thoughts of being found on the path in the morning and all this stuff. <laughs> so, the, so the body itself freezes there's tension in the body, the mind is blocked, and the breath stops. And then you just realize there's just a couple of leaves passing there, a little bird making its way through the leaves. Whew. Breath changes again. And in many, many ways, in terms of one's sensitivity, the way of the breath and learning to be more attentive to the breath, you'd see that when the breath changes, the mind changes, the body changes. The more harmonious a person is, the more relaxed a person is, the more natural, the more fluidly the in-breath comes, out-breath goes, coming, going, coming and going. Because with tension, and with this blocking, this uh, inability of the in individual to allow things to flow in life, it creates a tension. And some of these tensions which one has created have become, as it were, fixed inside of one's body. A little thing, the body tenses. Or, or the mind tenses and then the mind affects the body. Then there is so much tension in the body, the tension in the body affects the mind. And it becomes for oneself rather a vicious circle. No wonder, no wonder so many people having so much difficulty in being relaxed. People's way of finding relaxation is to be really busily involved. Their relaxation is that they have to keep on doing something. Because the tendency of the mind doesn't allow the person to sit, to be still, to be relaxed, to be at one with themselves. And that is where true peace, true harmony is to be found.
So in these in these days, we're just working with breath. Then we'll be working with body and tensions and blocks and going into those areas. And then we'll be working with the more subtle level in terms of mind and the movement of the mind and seeing the relationship in all of this. And so it's a very <coughs> direct path of gaining further knowledge and understanding and why one is what one is. And in order for that to take place, what is asked of everyone here while they are here, and it is most essential, is to be silent, to be with oneself, and to follow through as much as one can with the daily cycle, the daily routine and flow. You know, I know in this in this area, it's it's, it's rather difficult. You know, I would love to be able to say on last night and this morning to everybody, please just be aware for ten days. Just be aware and just really watch the whole movement, everything that takes place in the organism. Very aware of the breath, aware of the body, aware of your movement, aware of your walking, of your standing or whatever you are doing. Be fully aware. I would love to be able to say that. Then I could just go back to my hut and sit nicely. Well, they're being very aware, very fine people. Such aware people. And then you could come along for a couple of minutes and I'd say, How's your, how are you going? Oh, I'm very aware. Lovely, Sadhu. <laughs> but one has to look from the very practical side of things. People are not aware. Externally they may be. Internally, they are not. And so, because one sees that all of us, in terms of our awareness, in terms of our personal growth, have really had and needed the necessity of some formal structure, some formal uh, aid or discipline to help us be aware. You know, if if there was, in this area, if our society and our educational system was a little bit more sensitive and appreciative of awareness, we would have grown in awareness from the childhood and have been truly conscious, alive, sensitive human beings. But that has never been, never, or hardly any emphasis has been put in that direction. So it's necessary for us to use the framework, the aid in terms of periods for walking, periods for standing, which will come, and sitting, and so forth. But it's not that which is the important thing. The significant thing is the moment. The significant thing in terms of our meditation is the moment-to-moment -moment application. So each day, though it's, I know it's quite, quite difficult, but each day, as one gets up from the morning, moves through the day, more and more moments we should be more and more conscious of. As many single moments of the day to be very, very conscious of. Which means that there's a gradual 
the definite reduction in the mental chatter, noise and all of that, and more being alive, being alert to this moment, which in different ways, colours, forms, shapes, different moments of existence, seeing it again and again. We've just made first day, beginning, and we wanted to allow it to carry through day by day, day by day. And this is for growth, it's for one's development, it's for the flowering of consciousness, it's for insight and understanding, and it's concerned with existence as it is, here and now. This is the path of meditation, which we are using and employing together for the welfare and benefit of oneself and also for the welfare and benefit of others. May all beings see into themselves. May all beings know themselves. May all beings find oneness. So we'll take a few minutes break and then we'll have this last sitting of the day tomorrow. <coughs>